You're listening to Dramas Over Flowers. This is a special episode of What's Up in Dramaland with Saya, Anissa and Boromir. Hello friends, this is Saya. If you're listening to these in order, you'll know that in our last What's Up in Dramaland episode, we discussed a number of breaking stories about celebrities involved in school bullying, and specifically the accusations against actress Pak Hesu. Even as we recorded and released that episode, more stories about further celebrities were coming out first. I have to preface this episode by emphasising that these stories are still developing and very little is known for certain, and indeed very little is knowable, and that in fact is a topic we'll be covering in this episode. So what is this episode about? It's a good question. I think any time a scandal rocks the K-drama world, it leads to something of a crisis of fandom. What are we meant to do when figures we've come to love through their public personas turn out to have very different private lives? How do we approach the topics? How do we handle our emotions? These are some of the questions we put to our esteemed guest, Professor Sida Balsaji, who offers a nuanced insider's insight into the reality of school life in Korea, and the different pressures and conflicts that students have to contend with, and consequently why, how, and when bullying arises, and who the victims and culprits are. We also discuss who is responsible and try to measure how deeply the problems are embedded in the system. Lastly, you can find some adjoining discussion in, well, a lot of our previous episodes, but in specific depth in episode 37 about the Burning Sun scandal and episode 16 for the shakeup caused by the Me Too movement. Of course, we discuss news on an ongoing basis, so make sure to check the timestamps in the show notes to see what we cover each episode. This episode was produced thanks to the support of our generous patrons. You can find our page at patreon.com slash dramasoverflowers. Thank you to all of you for tuning in, and please feel free to send us your thoughts and feedback at dramasoverflowers at gmail.com. One more note I'm told I have to add, though you'll hear me at the beginning of the episode, the bad connection had me missing the better part of the discussion, so like you, I've also just listened to this conversation for the first time. And my impartial opinion is that it's really, really good. See you on the other side. Hi everyone, this is Saya. This is Anissa. And this is Parma. And today we welcome you to a very special What's Up in Drama Land episode. Yes, and to market specialness, we have a really exciting guest, Cedar Bell Seiji. Say hi, Cedar Bell. Hi, thank you so much for inviting me. We are so excited to have you. Could you tell the listeners a little bit about who you are and what kind of work you do? Well, um, I'm a professor of Korean studies. I've been uh, living in Korea for many years. Currently, I'm in the United States, but going back to Korea soon. And I've researched a lot on contemporary Korea. And I tend to teach a lot on media-related topics because so many young people are really interested in that these days. We're like, this is the first time we've ever had a professor on the podcast. So it's a big milestone for us. So we're excited. Yeah. And one of the reasons that we wanted to have Cedar Bow on, um, not only because we're huge fans of her work and we would always want to have her on anyway, um, but because of the recent sort of explosion and bullying scandals, which we covered in our last What's Up in Drama Land uh, episode, but there's been a lot of development since then. And none of us have lived in Korea. We've not been to Korea. I have somewhat done some Korean studies academically, but I don't think that that really qualifies me to speak on these things. So I really wanted to bring someone who has the experience and the knowledge and the expertise because we're just drama fans. So and dramas are not real life, as we all know. <laughs> so that's kind of the context for the discussion that we're having today. To add to that context, I'm afraid that at least on my part, I think I took the whole school bullying aspect of dramas that we have seen play over and over again a bit too lightly. I thought it was overly dramatized for effect. 
and wasn't the actual truth. I kind of assumed that I would like it was something that I thought would be comparable to my own experience of school. And it was never this bad. So that was a horribly wrong assumption. And because of all of the literature that I'm reading now, I'm starting to realize how wrong my perception was and how uh, close to reality many of these portrayals were that we had kind of dismissed and laughed about in some episodes of our own podcast. So I just wanted to put that out there because I feel pretty guilty about uh, thinking that way. I don't think that you need to feel guilty about that. I think that when people don't... um understand how prevalent bullying is in Korea, that it does look very made for TV or <laughs> made for made for the story. But in fact, last year in 2020, the Korean Ministry of Education, they released a study that one out of every three kids faced bullying in Korean schools. Oh my gosh. Wow. That's Wow. Yeah, I was not expecting that. Yeah, it's 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 a it's a huge problem and um the Korean government has known that it's a huge problem for many years. They've been trying to address it, but the problem is they keep trying to address it through the context, through schools. But it's really a larger problem than that and it really comes more from Korean society and the way that it plays out in schools is a side effect of a larger societal issue. And so just trying to fix it through anti-bullying campaigns in school is never going to be enough. One of the things that we're hoping to get out of this discussion also relating to that is, you know, we're interested in contrasting how the drama portrayals of school bullying compare to what you know in real life. And We've also had um, quite a few listeners asking us about that. So that's actually going to make up a big part of the discussion that we will have this episode. But before we go into the details of that aspect, we want to quickly present an overview of the actors who have been accused, what's happened, and just sort of quickly go through names and details. And then we'll turn to the most interesting part of this discussion. So shall I go ahead and do that? Yes. So I was doing the research for this and I thought this would end at three or four names and I ended up with a list of like nine and that was only for actors or people on TV. We're not going to talk about the K-pop people. We briefly sort of listed a few of them in our last What's Up in Dramaland episode. And I think probably our listeners know more about K-pop than we do. We're going to stick to the K-drama world part of the discussion. So very quickly... Age-wise, most of them are quite young, but we've got two names that are slightly older. So you've got Johansson, who was last in Stove League in 2019, She Knows Everything in 2020, which was an eight-episode drama special. He's 39. Uh, his allegation was that he used other students as a punching bag and he wielded violence for fun on school grounds. There's not a lot more detail on that one. The next person is comedian Hong Hyoni, who was alleged to have caused her victim depression after years of school bullying. She claimed that Hong picked on her for her looks and physically attacked her. Her agency has said that the allegations are untrue and that Hong is willing to meet her accuser in person. She also said that she'll take legal action against her accuser. Uh, the next few names are much more well-known. So you've got Kim Dong-yi, who was lost in Extracurricular, Itaewon Class and Sky Castle. So in his case, there was a video uploaded anonymously that was titled Actor Kim Dong-hee, born in 1999, was a school violence perpetrator. And this is similar to what we've heard in a lot of cases. The 
the alleged victim hated to see him receiving love from so many people and his rising celebrity. And this is a quote, when his daily life involved hitting and bullying people. His agency has denied the allegations and they, they say that the claims were first made in 2018. And when the agency checked in with the actor and the school reps, they both confirmed that no violence had taken place. And my side note here is, Basically, the agency asked the people who had a vested interest in it not being true, whether it was true. Not quite the rigorous detective work that you could hope for. <laughs> However, the writer of the post at the time did delete their post and they uh, said that they were not the direct victim. They were a third party and no legal action was taken. Uh, however, the agency has said that they plan to do so now. The next person is also someone that we know, Ina Eun, 21. She's from the girl group Judah, uh, sorry, the girl group April. She played the role of Yo Judah in Extraordinary You. Also school bullying allegations and she was removed from a number of variety shows and she was edited out of promos for her upcoming drama, Taxi Driver, the one with Lee Jae-hoon and Isam, where she was uh, one of the leads. Next person is Shimonu, 28. She was lost in the world of the married. The victim alleges that bullying and emotional abuse was led by Shim while they were in middle school uh, in seventh grade, leading to the victim to transfer schools by ninth grade. Her agency denies it and they're saying they checked in with Shim. And similarly, that kind of very detective-y statement, they said that after checking with Shimano personally, we confirmed that the actress was not a school bully. She did not cause any violence or social issues at school. Although it's also been reported that the actress believes that she knows who the original poster is and that they just had some beef and didn't get along. And it was a long time ago, they're trying to verify it. Uh, moving on to some of the bigger ones, we've got Jo Byung-gyu, who was most beloved for Sky Castle and very recently big hit The Uncanny Counter. And for him, there were a series of online posts that accused him of physical and verbal abuse in middle school. Oh, he's 25. And the actor, he denied the allegations and requested police investigation. Following the allegations, though, he was cut from a new KBS variety show called Come Back Home, which he was meant to co-host with Yuji Suk. Um, and the production team replaced him. He was also dropped from his ads. The update on his case is that after the agency filed a criminal complaint, the original accuser actually contacted the agency and admitted that it was untrue, asked for lenience, apologised and deleted their post. And his agency has been quite strong in reiterating that if this kind of case occurred again in the future, harming their actors, they would pursue criminal punishment to protect the rights and interests of their actors. And my side thought on that is... <laughs> In general, you never know when an agency is strong-arming the thing, do you? So it's uh, mm. it's definitely something to keep in mind. Uh, the next one is the big one that we haven't talked about yet uh, in our episodes, though we have talked about it elsewhere, and that's Jisoo, uh, who is 28 at this time in River Where the Moon Rises. The allegations against him were made by an anonymous netizen who accused him of school violence, including bullying, beating up schoolmates, extorting money, and even sexual misconduct. Jisoo released a handwritten apology letter which I think at this point we've all read. Significantly, it did not contain any denials. Part of what he wrote in there was, I'm truly sorry to those who suffered because of me. There are no excuses to make up for my past wrongdoings. They are unforgivable. And he added that he'd always felt guilty about his past and that it had always weighed on him. So he dropped out of his drama where he was replaced uh, by another actor and he's due to leave for military service in October. And just to... Um 
the there was a statement by his agency a couple of days after his apology saying that the allegations of they like denied the allegations of sexual violence and they said only the other ones were true so that's an update i didn't know if you had seen that or not hadn't. thanks yeah and lastly uh, and i've saved this one for last even though we we talked about it first pakesu who is 27 she was best known for age of youth aka hello my 20s and she was about to appear in the KBS drama Dear M, which has been postponed indefinitely. It was meant to premiere last month. Uh, she was accused online of bullying middle school classmates and inciting other students to violence. She denied the accusations and the agency are set to take legal action. But the latest on that is that she released a personal statement saying that the situation was in fact the other way around and that she had been the victim. And her account is very specific and detailed, giving dates, names, locations, and she basically says she has the receipts and is going to pursue this legally Uh, and that's where it stands at the moment I think that's everybody we've got do you guys have anything to add sorry that was really boring wasn't it no it's just a lot it's a lot it's it's a lot and it's uh, important to have that entire list just to realize how many uh, were accused and before we get more into this should we discuss the matter of why now (laughs) Can I just make one observation before you go into that? What I found really interesting while I was researching this is that so many of these allegations are about like what happened in middle school. And I hope, Cedarbell, you can comment on that uh, a bit later when we talk about this. I certainly can talk about that. And I also, I know that you guys mentioned it in your previous podcast, but just to clarify on the whole suit and countersuit sort of issue in Korea with defamation, it's so complicated that even if you say something that is true, although you can prove it is true, you're liable for defamation if you actually hurt somebody's public profile. And of course, with all of these celebrities, then that's a very real risk. It's not the same as accusing an ordinary person. And so if you sue someone, like if you bring a lawsuit for bullying against someone, then you can be sued for defamation. And if you can't prove it's true, then the fine and the jail time is pretty severe. If you can prove it's true, you still have to pay a fine and you may have jail time as well. And so you can't legally accuse a celebrity without risking a defamation countersuit. And so the question is, why would people do these anonymous accusations? Well, obviously, it's to avoid being sued for defamation. You can't be sued if nobody knows for sure who you are. And so if you are a celebrity and you're accused of something and you don't sue for defamation, then it could also be assumed that you don't want people to dig into the case and that you don't want people to discover if it's true. So celebrities are walking sort of like a delicate line between don't sue because you want everyone to understand this is so ridiculous, no one would believe it, why would I need to sue about this? And sue because if you don't, it seems like you're accepting that it must be true. Mm -hmm. And so if you have money, you can make these stories go away. And we've seen that with defamation cases repeatedly in the past with celebrities in Korea, including a couple of these celebrities who've been accused in the past where suddenly the accusation disappears. And basically behind the scenes, money is making people shut up whether they're lying or they're not lying just to keep your face clean. Yeah, that's a really useful way to look at also the ecosystem which supports celebrities because 
with all of that, there's that question of why their public reputation is so important and also why it's so fragile. And you have to sort of take that with the understanding of how the holy grail of all celebrity income is in advertising and endorsements. And I can't find the source. I read this when we were reading up on the Pakesu case, but I'm sorry, I don't have the source for it now. Um, I read that up to 60% of the country's advertising uses celebrities to endorse their products and services. And that's a lot, like a significantly larger amount than most countries. So you have these companies who've shelled out like significant premiums to have big names endorse their products, whether that's food, clothing or cars. Therefore, if that celebrity has a scandal, it has a knock-on effect for their sponsors. So it's this uh, quite a fragile ecosystem where the celebrities rely on the sponsorships and the companies rely on the celebrities. So everyone has a vested interest in making them go away. And that's why even the accusation is damaging, even if it's later proved to be false. Absolutely. You're really hitting the key point here. Um, You can see um, in articles like by James Turnbull, that exact uh, statistic that you just listed, 60% of advertisements or more featuring a famous face. And in other countries, it is significantly less than that. And I've been writing about this in the context of the Burning Sun scandal, how in a way the celebrity is a representative of the nation. Once they become very, very large, they're a representative of the nation. And so just like Nike doesn't want to have a celebrity spokesperson who angers the general public because it can fall back on Nike, this kind of large scandal in Korea can actually have implications for Korea and for soft power from Korea. Because when we see all of these bullying scandals, it's actually telling people just like you guys and your listeners that actually Korea is not as beautiful as it seems in a drama. Yeah, and we'll link to that piece from Cedar Bell in the show notes. Circling uh, back to the point you made about uh, the defamation laws in Korea, um, that was definitely instrumental in silencing or rather um, kind of cutting short the Me Too movement even as it started in uh, Korea uh, around the time that Bernie Sun happened. And we were all kind of waiting for it to take off and it kind of just started and then fizzled out almost immediately. And quite a few of the people who had come forward with accusations and some of them who had won their cases also had to then deal with defamation um, lawsuits. And it was something that we weren't accustomed to hearing about, but it definitely happened. So the people who suffered, suffered more after winning cases. So in these cases, of course, staying anonymous as you make the accusation totally makes sense. But the flip side of that is it also makes it that much harder to prove your case or when the celebrity turns around and says that, well, no, I didn't do it. If they are telling the truth, then let them come into the spotlight and reveal themselves. That becomes like that anonymity becomes weaponized against their truth. So it's a double-edged sword. It's definitely a double-edged sword. What the celebrity needs to do in this case is to minimize that damage to their reputation. And what the accuser is usually seeking for is to damage the reputation, not to actually take them to court. Because you can imagine how hard it is to prove somebody bullied me in middle school. There are 
usually there are psychological protective mechanisms that cause us to try to bury that, to try to get away from that, to try to, you know, just put that in the past, and then to come back 10 years later and to try to resurrect some sort of, you know, trail of proof that could actually work in a court of law is usually impossible. And so this is this actually is about reputational damage to the celebrity. There are aggrieved parties who feel, if at least I can damage their reputation, then I don't have to see them constantly. And financially, getting back on the advertising thing, if you're an absolute top star and you're getting around 80,000 US dollars per episode to be in a drama, and that's only for like the very, very, very most elite people, but for an advertisement, you can often be earning from a very major company 800000 or more for a single contract for posing for a bunch of photos and maybe being in wow. a TV spot. So the, if you compare the financial benefit, there's a lot more benefit actually to get from keeping your reputation clean so that any company would want to associate their product with you, would think that, that you would positively grow their corporate profile or awareness of their product. And on a financial level, Maintaining that advertiser-friendly, good reputation is the most important thing for these idols and for these actors who are being accused of things. And so trying to make these cases disappear as quickly as possible is got to be their top goal. And that means there's a, a, a secondary problem, and that is somebody can falsely accuse them in the hopes of getting a quick financial payout just to have the accusation disappear really quickly. When somebody says, oh, I'm sorry, I apologize, they make a, a semi-public statement retracting it, does that mean that they are actually retracting it or does that mean they were contacted and paid? Mm -hmm. There's no way for the public to know. You know, that reminds yeah. me of one of the statements made by uh, one of Jesus' victims, which you read it and it's very shaking. So what they said is, I just looked this up, there's just one thing I want. Kim Jisoo, if acting is what you want to do, do it, but keep the title of school violence perpetrator in front of your name forever in your heart. So if you're talking about what people want, that's dark. There's nothing you can do to make up for it. Absolutely. As Sirabab pointed out, it's like in most of these cases, they are not looking to get them like jail. They are not looking for legal recourse. They are looking to tell everybody else that this is who they truly are, like shatter the perfect image that most actors kind of create around themselves when they enter the entertainment industry. In this particular culture, do you think there is any way where, you know, every system kind of supports the actor's image if not the actor themselves their own th their own psychology is not really given much um, thought here I mean the, their agency the producers they're working with other cast crew members advertisers they all want the, that particular actor to keep their image so the system itself is against any kind of accusation true or otherwise breaking out and damaging that image in this system is it even possible for a fair investigation to happen well, I would say that it's basically impossible. There are so many things that are going on behind the scenes, including the reputation of the school, 
where this supposedly occurred. The reputation of the teachers, the reputation of the Ministry of Education that can be accused of not taking action. There are multiple different issues when we have police or we have prosecutors getting involved in these investigations. There have been a lot of accusations of biased or incomplete investigations in cases involving celebrities. It is really, really difficult for the general public to feel confident in the information that they get in the media about celebrities because there are so many parties that are deeply invested in having that go one way or go another way. And that includes the parties that are invested in making, manufacturing sensational news in order to get more clicks in order to get more engagement on their platforms. And it, it may or may not actually be true. And I really hope that many of these cases are not true or that many of these cases are exaggerated. And I don't mean in any way to say that I'm casting judgment on any of these people. Even if they did something, how terrible was it? Can we get past it if they were an ordinary person? It would be so much easier for them to sit down with their middle school classmate and get past this. But because they are in the media like this, suddenly it creates this whole different context and it becomes quite complicated. Yeah. So we talked about this in our previous episode um, and we mentioned the ending of like real time search terms on Neighbor and the high profile volleyball case where the two players were dismissed for bullying. And we were sort of thinking that that's why this is all coming out now. Is that what you feel as well? Are there other reasons? Why are all these scandals exploding right at this time, do you think? Uh, I don't actually think that it's connected to the end of the real-time trending search terms. I do think that it's connected to the volleyball twins and if we trust the Ministry of Education statistics that one in three Korean kids have been bullied in school, then think about how many people are walking around in their life today with PTSD or resentment or anger about bullying in schools as an issue. There are many people in Korean society who have had this experience of being bullied. And right now, in this moment, after this scandal with the volleyball twins comes out, then there's an opportunity for resolution. You can see the public reaction to the twins, and you can see the general public agreeing that bullying is not okay. And then you, with your own personal past history of being bullied, if you were also bullied by somebody who is a celebrity, then you feel like this is the time, this is the chance. It's not just these twins, it's also me, or it's not just the first couple of cases that came to light. It's you know, these other cases as well. And for the general public, they are watching this unfold and they are feeling a sort of like proxy resolution of trauma. They themselves were not able to get any resolution for their own past experience, but they are seeing people get that resolution. And so they want to hear about these stories. They want to continue to um, have these cases coming up. And so we don't see a general public 
outcry saying, okay, this is too much, you guys should all be quiet. Instead, we have the general public continuing to consume this media and in street interviews and things like that to say that they are really glad that this is coming out and that they don't want bullies to be benefiting today, you know, and, and constantly in the media today when they, in fact, are not good people. And so it's, um, I don't know, it's, it's a window of opportunity that was open by the case against the twins. And I think that window's not closed yet. And I think that we may see a few more of these cases. Whereas if you brought one case by one case with many months in between, it becomes less about bullying and becomes more about the individual celebrity. Right now, I think it is really becoming a conversation about bullying in general. And so vicarious healing perhaps is going on right now for the people who were victimized in the past and they see Jisoo no longer being able to be in his currently airing drama and they're like, yes, I may not have been able to get any, you know, revenge on the person who bullied me, but we've seen that bullies can in fact be held to account. Mm -hmm. And so the general public is really standing behind these uh, accusations coming out and, and really interested in continuing to see them. So we don't need a real-time search engine to know that. We can see that just with the metrics of individual news agencies and how many people are reading these articles. And each one of these newspapers, you can see what their trending articles are. Mm. And you can see that these articles are continuing to get a lot of play. And the general public, the things that they're saying online, uh, very much continue to support the victims. Yes, there are people who will support the celebrities who've been accused, but it depends on the individual case. And in some cases, in the Korean general public, we're not seeing very much support. And Jisoo is definitely one of those cases where the general public is not showing very much support, partially because of his role in prominent dramas that included school bullying, partially because it includes this extra element of uh, sexual harassment or sexual violence, uh, which is a uh, it's much more severe than just saying somebody asked for my lunch money and I had to give it to them. And is this a shift now in the in the public opinion towards bullying cases that you're seeing in comparison to like earlier cases that have come out in the past? Hmm. I think that that right now there's a lot of people that are treating this as kind of like an, an issue that has been festering in Korean society and it's time to address it. And so when you look at kind of more the political response and then what you're seeing is, okay, this is, we need to address this issue in society. The things that the government has been doing have not been sufficient. All of these anti-bullying campaigns that really got going during No Mu Hyun's presidency have done what? They've apparently allowed the situation to continue because, you know, many of these middle school cases are from after we have major anti-bullying campaigns going on. You know, working in middle schools in Korea, it's not just a question of how much money the parents have so the teachers can't speak out against certain kids doing bad things. It's much more a question of a society that understands that there is a hierarchy, that understands that 
that is part of what kids are working out, that they are working out a pecking order and that it accepts that that's happening and that that is considered natural, normal. Of course, they'll try to figure this out. And it is accentuated with many practices within Korean schools. It used to be that the students were seated according to their rank in the class. So the students who had the highest rank in the class were sitting in the front so they could ask questions easier, be monitored by the teacher easier, read the chalkboard easier, all of that kind of stuff. And the students who were the most disruptive were in the back. And then that, that was revised, uh, reformed. And the next thing that, that was still happening is they post the grades of all the students on the wall in the classroom after they come out. And then after a while, they took off people's names. But you can remember the school number of some of your friends, and you can see people's reaction, or you can ask them, and maybe they'll tell you, yeah, you know, 11th or, or whatever. And you can work it out who's where in the pecking order academically. And so the schools allow an academic pecking order to exist because they think that this competition is good for the students and it motivates the students. But it also teaches young people that pecking order is fine and that some people are better than others. And it allows a situation where the person who is not as smart, not as beautiful, not as good at making friends, maybe the introvert or you know the person who's just a little awkward, it allows them to become the victim of bullying. And that's really basic but very important. And that's a much wider reason for bullying than just, you know, rich guys' parents protect him from being accused by the teachers. The the absolute overcrowding in Korean schools, which has gone down a lot as the population of young people has gone down, as the birth rate has gone down. But the crowding in Korean schools also let a lot of things slip under the radar. It's very hard for a teacher to monitor 50 plus students in a classroom. And so there are a lot of really complex reasons why this is connected to Korean culture, not just to the environment, the schools. Another one of those reasons is that students are, they're not just with other students for a few hours during school hours, that they have after school classes or that they go to hagwons together. And so they don't get to just be at school for a little bit and then retreat to some safe place. They're stuck with these people who may be bullying them for many hours a day, who they may have an opportunity to be bullied for many hours a day, as much as 7.30 in the morning until 10 p.m. Mm -hmm. And so when we're talking about school bullying, if you were talking about American students who might go home at 3 p.m., then all opportunities for bullying would have to happen in the school, in the classroom, probably with a teacher nearby or on their way home. But in the Korean context, it can happen in all of those places where they are outside of the home from 7.30 in the morning until 10 o'clock at night, whether it is on the way to a hagwon or at the hagwon or while you're trying to eat a snack in between, you know, two after school classes in hagwons 
or when it's, you know, staying in the school for many hours to do additional studying before the, the major exams, whatever it is. So there's many, many more hours per day when students are exposed to other students, some of which are not fully monitored, during which time bullying can occur. And so it's when we look at it and we watch a drama, we think like, oh, look, they're going home. Oh, they're having their fun life. But actually, for most Korean students, they continue to be interacting with other students for so many additional hours in the day. And a lot of the dramas that we do see, because they want to have a drama plot going on, they don't have the students spending as much time in after-school classes as is actually realistic. Mm -hmm. Then they somehow find time to go read comics in the comic store. Yeah, that's a really good point. Thank you. That's a really important additional context. So We read this uh, Reddit thread by somebody who claimed to be from Korea and had lived through bullying in their school time who said that after corporal punishment was outlawed in Korea, which is, of course, justified, we absolutely support that, there was no system set in place to give teachers and the school staff some kind of like a framework to enforce discipline on the students because the parents had more power than the teachers did. And in such a system, bullies, especially bullies with any kind of influential background, tend to get away with everything, whereas the victims often go unheard. Even when the teachers know something is happening, they are forced to look away because if they don't, well, they can't actually solve the problem. So to avoid backlash from the parents, they tend to avoid getting involved completely. And uh, you can see a version of that in School 2017, which I recently rewatched and was startled at how deep they actually went into school bullying. I hadn't noticed it the first time. So in that kind of a situation, what do you think that the government or schools in general can do beyond doing awareness campaigns? Well, I don't entirely buy that explanation for bullying in schools, that it became so much worse after uh, forbidding corporal punishment. Um, as somebody who worked in Korean middle school for several years, um, <laughs> I, I don't think that that is... Corporal punishment was certainly used in schools, but it was not the reason why there was less bullying in the past. I don't think that there was less bullying before. Mm -hmm. Also, I don't entirely buy the argument that most bullies come from more influential families. So actually to talk about like who is a bully in Korea? Bullies in Korean society uh, or in Korean schools tend to be students who've given up on achieving academic success. So academic success is the ultimate. You, you need to be one of the top students in your class. You need to test very well on these exams for getting into high school and for getting into university. And so standardized testing is so important. Academic success is so important. And the students who are doing really, really well are almost never bullied, partially because there are students who are doing somewhat well, who want to be friends with those students who are doing the best, who may surround them and kind of insulate them from anything. So the students who are doing the best academically are not getting bullied. And the students who are in the middle might be getting bullied, but they haven't given up on academic success. So they're not actively bullying other people. 
The people who are bullying are the ones who said, I can't do it. I cannot achieve academically. And therefore, this is this other way that I can somehow win in a highly competitive society. I can game the system by using physical force or, you know, rumors and gossip and networks of friends to somehow influence my existence in a way that I'm not able to do by being the best student in the class. And that's a really important reason why we have many celebrities who end up accused of bullying. It's because if they became celebrities, the odds are that they were not studying well enough to have their parents say, no, you cannot. You need to become a doctor. You need to become a lawyer. You're doing so well in school apply for the best universities in Korea, go to the most you know, amazing programs that you possibly can go to, become a huge success. And in fact, if you are one of the top academic students, that path to success still exists, that you could get into Seoul National University, or you could get into Yonsei, and you could study law or study medicine, and you could have a great life. And it's basically guaranteed at that point. Becoming a celebrity is kind of like rolling the dice. Here's a potential other way that I can make up for not being the best student, that I can bank on my charisma or my appearance or my ability to sing or dance or, you know, embody a different character in acting. And so they are taking this alternative path to success. And it's a, a path that has a lot more risk in it. And so we really have to say, like, why so many of these celebrities are being accused of bullying. We have to say it's because they are somebody who had already given up on academic success. Their parents had allowed them to follow this path of becoming a celebrity because the parents didn't see a path to them becoming an engineer. Uh, so about, I'm going to uh, put a slight counter to that because it occurred to me while you were speaking. Most of the celebrities that we have um, heard of who have been accused, they do come from at least middle to upper class families. They come from some influence, if not like rich people influence, as we understand it. So the idea that influential kids tend to get away uh, with bullying is kind of like coming from that aspect, that these ones that we are hearing of now are all kids who didn't get punished or didn't get the tag of bullies kind of connected with them while they were in school. So I'm not saying that you're wrong about that, that these particular kids may have somehow gotten away with it because they come from a better family. But I am saying that many kids come from a good family and don't bully people. Absolutely. And so what I'm saying is the difference is if you see a path to success which is following the conventional path of achieving well academically, then you don't really have a reason to become a bully. Now, a lot of dramas, they will make this reason to become a bully that like the person has some damage in their past, they have some, you know, uh, bad parenting or whatever, and that causes them to act out as a bully. But yeah, <laughs> it's not always that simple. Some people are just born on, um, perhaps to see the glasses half empty or to be resentful and, and angry. 
what about workplace bullying in that case? Because we do know that that is also very prevalent in Korea, especially with their very strict hierarchical structure. You have uh, so many cases of, well, basically, I, I mean, yeah, workplace bullying. <laughs> do you have any comments on that? Well, I think it's definitely connected. It's very much part of the the at the beginning when I was saying that this is a societal problem, that this is something to do with Korean society. It's not just something to do with how schools are. And Korean society is really, really competitive. And every aspect of Korean society reinforces creation of hierarchies between people. And those hierarchies are visible or audible even in how people speak to each other, with Korean having different le levels of, of speech and the importance on titles and stuff like that. And so when we get into the workplace, it becomes very much uh, the ways that people use hierarchy negatively to impact uh, the people under them or to somehow um, take advantage of the, the people under them. And that's also something that's been addressed uh, in Korean media and talked about a lot in the newspapers in the past couple of years. And that goes to a conversation about gapjil, which is basically taking advantage of a difference in social hierarchy you know, abusing the younger people or the less powerful people in your company. Yeah. So thank you so much for that. I think one of the things that we've noticed as, I mean, we watch a lot of dramas, obviously we have a podcast, so we're, we're addicts. It's been, I think like 12 years now since I started watching Korean dramas and I've definitely seen how obviously, you know, TV never gives you a picture of reality, but reality definitely impacts TV and society impacts TV and the narratives that are becoming more and more common in, you know, general discourse tend to filter down into popular media at, at a certain point. So I've definitely seen the way that power and bullying and, you know, and all these things have started to become more prominent and more sort of treated with more nuance in dramas over the years. So I wanted to kind of use that to pivot to one of the other things that we wanted to talk about, which is as a fan, I mean, obviously the main most important thing is what people are actually experiencing and the problem itself. But then as people who consume this media, what is like an appropriate response? Is there an appropriate response to have when you find out these things about people that you've been a fan of for a long time that you admire? And because I do, I know that you're, you know, also an expert on fandom in some ways. So how does how do you see like fandom reacting to these things? And I know the K-drama fandom is a little different from the K-pop fandom. But in general, I think we have these certain like instinctive reactions when we see a face that we love and we hear things about them that we don't want to hear. <laughs> um, and I know you've you know written about Burning Sun and stuff. So I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. Why do we expect these people to be perfect? Or why do we expect them mm. to be like the persona that they embody on a talk show or a variety show or in some reality program or in a drama? Why do we expect that that is the real them, the true them? Or why do we expect that they have always been that person that we're seeing today. I don't expect all of my friends to have been perfect throughout their entire lives. I don't expect that all of my friends have been angels forever. I, I know that some of them have done bad things 
and I can love them and accept them anyway because I know who they are today. But the problem with celebrities is that this shakes the foundation because we realize, oh, maybe we don't know who they are. Mm -hmm. Maybe what we're seeing is all a performance. And, and so that's, I think, one of the big psychological things that happens is if I'm friends with somebody and I find out they did something terrible 15 years ago, I can still say, but I know who they are now and I know they've gotten better and, I, and we can all make mistakes one time. But I don't know that for these celebrities. I don't know that they are better now. I don't know that they have worked on themselves. I don't know that any of the reasons that I fell in love with them are actually true. And yet you still have that emotion because the familiarity of seeing that person and like bringing them into your most personal spaces, you know, like on your phone, on your TV, on your laptop, and they have probably carried you through some of your most emotional times, or maybe like they've helped you through some trauma or so we formed these parasocial relationships with these people that are so full of emotion. Um, and like you say, then in these kind of situations, we're suddenly faced with the fact that, oh, yeah, I don't have any idea if this person is anything because there's like this level of trust of I'm trusting you like I know that this is a performance but at some deep level you're also trusting that their performance is not malicious and that their performance is you know good nature under underneath even if you don't really know who they are you think that they're a good person or you're trusting that they're a good person I, I see a lot of people and it's really hard for them to cope with these paradoxes, you know, between past action or accusation of past action and who you think that they are right now. And I think that as fans, it's not our first duty to say, I'm a fan and so I will support this person no matter what. I think that it is our first duty to step back and wait for more information. Don't accuse, but also don't deny. And I, I get very disturbed when I see how the international fandom often leaps to a place of denying. Mm. International fandom, as particularly if people who do not know what social lift reality in Korea is like, they are particularly prone to creating a fantasy, a drama land fantasy in their mind, which doesn't actually correspond that accurately to Korea. And, and yeah, the dramas are doing a great job now to address these very serious issues. But as we already talked about earlier in this episode, it's totally possible to think, oh, that's just for the story. That's just to be interesting. Oh, that's exaggerated. Or it couldn't possibly be that serious because we don't want to believe negative things. We don't want to think of Korea as a society full of ugly things like school bullying. Because if we do, then it makes it a lot harder to enjoy the escapism which Korean media is providing for international fans. It's escapism. You're totally outside of your own culture, so you can just enjoy it without the baggage. Absolutely. Do you think, though, that, as you correctly pointed out, the mood of the public is sympathetic towards the victims who are alleging these, well, crimes, honestly, they're, they're crimes. And because it is sympathetic, 
they have a voice where individual accusers would not have had. They would have been shot down individually and probably there would have been a pile-on effect when the fans turned against the accusers in defense of their the actors or the idols. Right now, because the victims have a voice, the advertisers are dropping these um, celebrities. The dramas are replacing them quickly. All of this action that is happening right now would probably not be happening if the voices came out alone. And eventually, that is what is going to happen. This enormous wave that's that's happening, it will end at some point. And then maybe a year from now, there'll be individual voices coming up again and getting shot down. So in my very cynical heart, <laughs> I don't think that the current wave is going to create any uh, lasting change. Is, is that just me being super negative or do you see a lasting change happening because of what's happening right now? When Burning Sun and all of that was going on, one of the first things that I hoped was that I hoped that fans would get past an expectation that people are perfect just because they look perfect in media products. But that hasn't happened. I feel like instead of allowing for the complexity of human beings, instead people doubled down on wanting to believe that somebody else is perfect. So maybe somebody got accused during Burning Sun, but instead of saying, oh, we need to stop and think if celebrities actually are perfect, instead of that, they said, well, BTS is perfect. Hmm. <laughs> so they, they... Oh, that one especially. They didn't address, <laughs> they didn't address the actual issue, which yeah. is all of us can fail. All of us can make bad choices. Where do we find redemption? Where do we draw a line? Who actually should be canceled? And who should we listen to? And how should we change our attitude towards celebrities to realize that just because their face is perfect doesn't mean that everything about them is. So instead of that really important work that needed to happen, instead, international fandom said, but these other celebrities in Korea are perfect. And so that creates a situation where it's possible to have this happening again and again and having it become worse in the future. So instead of creating a mechanism for reassessing celebrities. Instead, we've just doubled down on they have to be perfect. Either they're canceled or we love them, one or the other. Instead of how do we work through the complexity? Yeah, I, I, I really want to pick up on what you said about redemption because some of these cases, I mean, as an educator who's been, who's taught middle school, like these are such young children. And how do you navigate the idea of redemption and not, you know, punishing someone for what they did when they were 10 or 11 years old for the rest of their lives, but then also understanding that like, okay, maybe you deserve to have a chance at redemption, but maybe the people that you bully don't need to see your face on TV all the time. You know, how do we approach that conversation about redemption? And I, I feel like it also becomes more complicated by the fact that the people who do admit and apologize for what they did are immediately punished by completely losing all of their endorsements and their shows and everything. And the ones who like deny everything and pay off their victims, uh, you know, eventually that goes away and they can, you know, continue their career. So 
Is there a way to redeem yourself if you are in the public eye? Or is that something that you have to do like by leaving the public eye and just trying to do it in your personal life? The traditional path to redemption that has existed for male celebrities in Korea is to go to the military, yeah. to apologize, to say, I'm going to go to the military and I will come back more mature and I will do better. And that exists for male celebrities, but it doesn't exist for female celebrities. So it has been much harder for women to come back after a substantial allegation comes out against them whether or not it's actually true. And so in the past in Korea, we have seen that some men can take a couple of years off, even more than a couple of years, and they can manage to get back. And part of that has to do with the kind of fans that they attract and the fact that women tend to be more involved in fandom and very emotionally invested in it. And then for a lot of the female celebrities, when you're young and you look perfect, it's very hard to continue to be a celebrity as you age. And this is not just something in Korea. This is something in, you know, basically every country. As you get older, as your appearance gets less, you know, virginal and, and pure, you lose a certain type of fan because there are those people that just want to look at really fresh, young women. And I think that those people will just switch to the latest flavor, mm -hmm. you know, the new celebrity who came out. Whereas a lot of female fans will have this close parasocial relationship with somebody and they might get disappointed in them. But five years later, they might say, well, he's done his time and, you know, he says he's learned so much and he's gotten so much more mature and we will still be there for that person. And we're not saying like, oh, you're washed up now. Look at you. You look all old, you know. So I, there's definitely a gender dimension here. And so it does make me think that if Jisoo can avoid the actual accusations of sexual impropriety, he could potentially come back in a few years after the military. Little by little. You basically just laid out exactly what their plan is for him. I can totally see this happening. Jisoo has a very dedicated fan base. Yeah, they'll let him come on some uh, show and he'll do a little interview and they'll ask him and he will, you know, maybe a little tear in the corner of his eye and like, you know, how much he learned and, and how much he regretted his past actions and the ways that he's tried to make it up to these people and all that kind of stuff. And if the public sees that performance as being authentic, then two months later, he'll be on another program. And little by little, he can yeah. come back. But I just don't see that happening for some of these young female stars who their fan base will just move on to the next thing. Yeah. And if you look yeah. at, for example, Pakesu um, Borma, you mentioned this in our recent What's Up in Drama Land, like she has had a rough time already with her career. I'm not sure what to believe, like her recent statement about what she saying that she was the one who was bullied. It does seem very detailed and specific. So I'm not I mean, it's possible that that's all true. And if it is like, you know, like just when she was about to have another show after such a long time, you know, everything is just going down the drain for her again. So jealousy is a really terrible thing 
And a lot of people in Korean society look at these young celebrities who don't necessarily, um, I mean, all they have to offer is a beautiful face and some performance ability, but they didn't necessarily earn it in some people's perception. And they get really jealous of this. So there is, there's a scholar, her name is Shin Hayden, and she talked about this in the context of the Tablo scandal, where he was accused of falsifying his educational credentials. That was, that was nuts. That was bananas. Yeah. yeah. And it was also totally made up, you know, but it really did come down to jealousy mm -hmm. that people who didn't understand the educational system that he went through could not conceive of somebody being in a combined bachelor and master's program or conceive of somebody taking summer classes so that they could finish uh, school faster. And, you know, Stanford's an amazing school. So it just the fact that he had a degree from Stanford, just that alone caused a lot of jealousy. So we see this whole big, you know, scandal that came up and a lot of people participated in attacking him. So part of that is this idea of spectatorship where people are just enjoying the it's kind of like gossip, except for now we're doing it online and we are spectating on the destruction of somebody's career. We're, we're enjoying the public pile on. Yeah. And so there are people right now who are publicly piling on some of these accused celebrities and they're enjoying that. That is a way to relieve some of their own pent-up anger and frustration, whether it's because they were bullied in the past or whether it's just because they hate looking at some 25-year-old who's living what looks like a fabulous life with what looks like relatively little skills and they themselves are like unemployed and like still living at home and you know they see no good future and they're yeah. angry. Especially in a context where it's so hard for young people to find jobs and it's so competitive and things are, you know, hell Joseon, basically. Yeah, hell Joseon <laughs> is exactly the right thing to, to reference, that there are so many people in Korea who feel so stressed by life right now. And well, let's make some celebrities stressed. Maybe that'll make you feel better about the fact that your own life is going badly. Yeah, definitely. The public discussion has not exactly been nuanced in these cases. Not when the victim gets no support. And is the public discussion ever nuanced in any case? <laughs> Which I think brings me to my final point, um, or our final point before we start wrapping this discussion up, is when this stuff plays out in the public court of opinion and everything depends on where the general public sympathy is, I guess that is, there's no real question here. This will keep happening. This is just something that always happens. And there is no real way of guiding such a discourse, right? It's, you know what, I just realized there is no question. I kind of answered my, <laughs> whatever I thought was a question, I already answered it myself. There's really no way of reining it in. There's no way of guiding this kind of discussion or reminding people that there are people on both sides of the table, the accused and the accuser, and that stalking, threatening, bad-mouthing either side is not helping the case or getting the investigation actually conducted. I guess, so, yeah. We, I mean, we'll never be able to draw any conclusions as... We are also spectators. I mean, we're not, um, as Cedar Bow said, we're not trying to pile on or make things worse, but like we are outsiders. 
even more so than people who are watching all this unfold in Korea. You know, we're not even like we don't speak the language. We're not getting the news in the original, you know, everything is translated if unless we can actually read and speak Korean ourselves. And even then, you know, like the news always filters things in a very particular way. And I guess what we can do is, as you both said, just not assign moral value to celebrities in the first place, um, as Cedar Bow so rightfully pointed out, and then also just not get on anyone's train and try to like campaign for somebody when you don't know what's going on behind the scenes and just be like critical viewers and critical consumers. And Cedar Rao, you mentioned about how a lot of us first get into Korean dramas as an escape. And I admit 100%, like that's why I came to Korean dramas. I was in a very difficult place in my own life. And Korean dramas were like this busy, bubbly, beautiful, delightful thing that like made me laugh and it made me cry for reasons other than like what kind of stuff I was actually going through in my life. Um, and it offered me a lot of catharsis. But as time goes on, I have become a more critical viewer and I have understood more that, you know, and I think that partly comes out of just being someone who is from more than one culture and just understanding that no culture has a monopoly on moral goodness and that all cultures are messed up in their own particular ways while also having something good that maybe other cultures don't. Like, so I think just having that understanding when you're consuming the media of a place that you're not from and you're not familiar with is like really helpful. And it helps you to just kind of like come down and not not get too overly invested. So that's where I'm leaving this. Yeah, I guess the one positive thing I can take out of this, and I'm really uh, reaching for something positive, is that just in the last few months, we've had several dramas that have depicted violence in teams and in schools. Uncanny Counter is one. Run On actually did this entire rather large subplot that was just focused on violence within sports and uh, bullying within sports. And currently you have Hello Me that kind of smiles and nudges at school violence. It doesn't really take it very seriously, but I'm noticing more and more how often this theme plays out in the dramas that I've been consuming in the last few years. And the only positive thing I can think of right now is that every drama that's coming out right now that has a school violence theme attached to it, whether as like a mild, a tiny uh, subplot in the background or as a major theme, people are going to look at it and be like, yeah, this is actually happening. They are not going to see it as like an overly dramatized thing like we were doing before. And I'm, of course, speaking mostly to the international audience because we don't have a direct experience experience of what's going on in South Korea, but also possibly Korean viewers. I would like to ask Cedar Bell, like, do you have any final concluding thoughts for us? We want to give you the mic to end off things. Well, I'm hoping that yet again in this scandal, as in previous scandals, I am hoping that instead of focusing on individual manifestations of societal problems that we actually look deeper at the society and why this kind of problem can occur. And by we, I guess I mean that Koreans look deeper and try to fix some of the structural reasons for bullying. And that's the struggle for all of us, right? Like even, I mean, I'm in the US as you are right now, Cedar Bow, but like that's the issue that we continuously face with things like racism too, right? Where like everyone always just focuses so much on these individual cases of things like police violence and, you know, like police murder of black people. And like everyone always focuses it so 
small and micro on the people who are actually in these situations. And then it becomes a whole thing of like judging their moral character and when it's really the structures, but the structures are, we're also invested in the structures, right? We're also inculcated with these structures from birth that it's really a lot harder to to examine those and break them down and to disengage ourselves from things that might actually be benefiting us. So, yeah. Not to mention, I mean, the US is a good example, given that the US is prevailing problem of school violence is actually gun violence. And again, that yeah. can only be solved at a policy level, at an institutional level, at a lawmaking level. And until you have those things, you don't have the tools for tackling them at the grassroots level. Yeah. And a lot of times those things don't change at the policy and institutional level until there's enough of a critical mass at the grassroots level to really push people to make a change. So hopefully that's coming around the world and all the places that it needs to come. Does anyone have anything else to add? Should we end there? I think this is a good place to start wrapping up. All right. Thank you so much for joining us, Cedarbell. This was an amazing conversation. I'm honored you guys asked. I think it's really fun to be able to engage in this form of new media podcasts where we can actually delve into ideas with each other. Definitely. So where can we find you on the internet? Where can our listeners find you on the internet? Well, I tweet at the K-pop prof, which, you know, is kind of funny. Perfect. It's absolutely perfect. (laughs) We love it. That's how we found you. And um, I also have a YouTube channel. I sometimes make videos for my students. And sometimes I make those public, like if I think I did a good enough job on them, I will make them public. And so since they're made for educating my students, they are educational and they could benefit somebody. What's the name of your channel? Uh, CB Seiji. Awesome. And we'll share the links to that in the episode notes as well, so our listeners can check them out. Yes, we will. As for the rest of us, you can find Dramas Over Flowers on Twitter at Dramas Overflow, or you can follow us individually. You can follow me at NotNowSire. And you can find me at Anissa Khalifa underscore. You can find me, Porma, at FestaFasta. And you can find us on Instagram at DramasOverFlowers underscore. You can also find us on Facebook. Just search for Dramas Over Flowers. And our website is DramasOverFlowers.net. And if you want to share your thoughts with us about anything that we've said in our episodes, you can email us at DramasOverFlowers at gmail.com. Dramas Over Flowers is part of the Frolic Podcast Network. Find more podcasts you'll love at frolic.media slash podcasts. And that's it. And that's a wrap, guys. Thanks so much for being here, Sirabo. And thanks, everybody, for listening to this episode. Bye. Bye. <laughs> thanks for having me for this episode, too. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm so, so glad you were able to rejoin us. And at least our listeners won't know that you were popping in. That'd be like, she was gone they for an hour. Totally <laughs> well, yeah, they, they will notice. They'll the be like, why is, of Saya. why is Saya so quiet? Yeah, we know she's noisier than this. <laughs> Look, it's perfect now. I'm so sad. Aww. Well, at least I didn't actually miss it. This is the, the beauty of recording. <laughs> Thank you so much. Cedarbell, I hope you will come back again when we have more controversial and horrible topics to talk about. <laughs> this is great. Well, I don't know I don't know that much about dramas. I'm I mean I watch quite a few, but probably like much fewer than you guys do. <laughs> but uh...